Welcome to another edition of the NHL Executive Suite. I'm Deb Placey, and next up is the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jarmo Kekalainen. He is certainly a man of principle. We're going to talk about how he became the first and why is he still the only European-born GM. A pretty reserved Finn, how he and the fiery John Tortorella get on so well. But one thing that he'll never do when dealing with his head coach. We've got that and plenty more that we talk about in this conversation with Jarmo Kekalainen. Being down here for the general managers meetings, we always get to do a couple podcasts with you all. Is this a chance for you to sort of see your fellow GMs in a different light? It's a more relaxed atmosphere. You know, you're talking about issues that are sort of common to you all. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a uh, great time of the year. After the trade deadline, you get to... Uh wind down a little bit and get the warm weather here too that doesn't hurt I could get used to it easily but um, no it's 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 a great time with the colleagues you get to sit down with for a few few dinners some laughs and and uh, then we get down to the business in the meetings and and um, you know try to talk about some improvements we could make and and uh, yeah it's a lot of fun so for you though coming down here is a chance to get some tennis in yeah, that too. That too. A lot of guys play golf. I'd rather play tennis, and, and uh, there's a great facility here for that too. I did hear that you and George McPhee have an annual game here. Yeah, we've, uh, we've uh, had that, and uh, George is a good player. Uh, now he's moved on to the, uh, the president's role, so he doesn't get to take part in the meetings anymore. <laughs> but I've heard that there, there's a challenge now that he's got a new hip. Um, Kelly McCrimmon was telling me that, that George is going to challenge me now with his new hip and 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 i said bring it on <laughs> so now you're taking on younger guys players uh yeah yeah i got a surprise text from marty Havlat, a player that i was involved drafting uh when i was with ottawa centers in the uh, late 90s and that was a was a great surprise he's supposedly very good so i'll get a lot of exercise this afternoon that's so for sure what kind of a player are you serving volley no no i'm i'm more of a uh try to uh try to avoid the uh, unforced errors type of player <laughs> but uh, I've actually battled tendonitis for a while here so I haven't been able to play that much but I've uh, played pickleball instead uh, quite a bit because that's easier on my arm but yeah Julian Brisebois he's going to join us too today at three o'clock so it's he's a he's a good tennis player as well. Who's your favorite player do you ha- are you a Federer guy or an Nadal guy do you like to watch the, he, the big players? Uh, I'm definitely a Federer guy he, he's awesome and the way he's been able to endure and and stay on top it's just amazing and and he's such a classy athlete as well so yeah he's my favorite for sure you've seen him play live you see him play yeah yeah i went to the tournament in cincinnati and and it was a lucky uh, break there we got to see uh, federer and djokovic in the final so that was a lot of fun and i went to uh first time to the u.s open uh last fall as well with my wife who's also uh a passionate tennis player so yeah we uh, we had a lot of fun there you guys play doubles together you and your wife make no <laughs> not, not a, yet anyways that, that was co- an emphatic that, no that could cause some problems <laughs> <laughs> whether you played with her or against her i play against her we, we i hit we hit balls sometimes uh, just singles and get some practice and no mixed doubles yet so good exercise. Do you ever get on the ice much anymore? I used to play a lot in the in these staff skates that we have every uh, game day, and uh, but then Jody Shelley fell on my ankle and and I uh, had a high ankle sprain and I was out for two months and and after that I haven't played quite as much. <laughs> a little bit like your team. What is the deal with all these injuries? I know people don't like to talk about injuries, but you've had a crazy run. I mean, how do you handle that? 
Well, the best you can, I guess. You know, I try not to worry about things that are out of my control. And, and there's been some freak accidents and, and stuff that, um, you know, you always try to look at the injuries. Is, is there a reason behind them? Or are we doing something right? Are we doing something wrong? Why, why are these happening? But we've had broken bones. We've had a couple of high ankle uh, sprains with, with a broken bone in there with Seth Jones and Oliver Bjorkstrand and... and Nothing you can do about those couple of broken ribs or and just bad luck this year and 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 I'm a believer that at the end it always evens out. So we've had some good years that with with not so many injuries this year is a bad one. And so hopefully next year will be a, a healthy one again. So you've been in the GM's chair in Columbus more than 600 games, which is longer than either of your predecessors, right? Doug McLean or Scott House. Does it feel like you do you feel like you've been there a long time? Yeah, I don't. Uh, keep count of that really but um but yeah it's it's been a great experience for me so far it seems like it just gets better and better and as you gain experience as well and and uh learn on the job been very fortunate to work with the people that that we have uh both in in the organization around me and and above me with the the ownership that we have and, and mike priest um overseeing everything as the president there I, I've been very fortunate to work with people like that and and um, you know couldn't couldn't say anything more about the support that we get from above what's the biggest challenge you have right now as the Columbus GM leader I know you didn't even give yourself the higher title but running the jackets what's your biggest challenge well the challenge I, th- I think there's a challenge every day in this job that's that's the uh, the biggest challenge that it there's never a dull day there's there's always going to be a surprise and then at the same time you're going to have to keep the uh long-term plan in 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 your mind but having said that then you have to react to these things that happen every day in in hockey world and and balancing those two i think probably is is the biggest challenge because everybody's got that urgency that you got to win now but at the same time, you can't lose sight of, of what the future for the team looks like. So, yeah, I guess the balance in those two is probably the biggest challenge. So you brought up balance. Let's go there next. Now, you have to help me with this Finnish word. Sisu, how, do you, how do you say that? Sisu. Sisu, which you've been described as that's your approach to life. That's a very Finnish thing. Tell us about, about that and how it impacts you on a daily basis, trying to live that way. Yeah, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a great word. I mean, it's used a lot in Finland, so it, it, it has had a little bit of an inflation, but the values behind it never never will have any inflation on them. You know, it's the grit, the determination, the uh, perseverance, all those words that I think in sports and in life in general will keep you on the right track if, if you if you can have work ethic and, and determination and perseverance and all those, those qualities, and you've given your best, then you've given yourself the best chance to succeed. And, and I think that's the recipe that we will try to uh, follow as a team, try to follow it as, um, as an individual and the general manager of the, uh, of the Blue Jackets. And, and um, I, I think that that gives us the best chance to uh, have a winning team. Well, you were an agent when you started, so I hope you don't mind if I quote an agent. But an agent recently said about you that you're not easy to read, and and he said I can never figure out what's going on with them. That you're <laughs> an enigma. Is that is that a fair way to describe you? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'd probably be more worried if the agent says that I'm really easy to deal with and all, they always get what they want. That would probably be more concerning to me. But 
But uh, as a matter of fact, I don't do a lot of negotiations for player contracts. It's Bill Zito, uh, our associate GM, that does most of them. So um, I'm not so sure that that's very accurate about about me. And But I uh, am probably a little bit of an enigma to people that I don't know very well or trust 100%. But those around me that I do trust and, and know very well know that I can be completely different from that uh, description. Does it take a long time for someone to earn your trust? Um, yeah, I don't know long, but but I mean, I, I think it's something that you build every day and and something that you expect every day too. So you you can you, it might take a while to build it build it up, but also you can lose it in an instant if if something happens that uh, you don't earn it every day. But um, yeah, I'm not probably the uh, easiest guy to uh, to warm up to. Uh, warm and fuzzy cozy type of guy no i'm not i'm not that but once i once i get over the uh, the hump then then i'm different so you were discovered as a player i don't know if a lot of maybe even your players don't know that you were a player at first you know sometimes these younger guys guys come in they see you only as an executive they don't even realize you played what were you like as a player <laughs> it was certainly wasn't a glorious career so i don't blame any player not not remembering my career that's for sure but uh I was a hard-working player. I uh, tried tried to uh, give it everything that I got um, as far as the approach to training and and whatever it was to prepare to to get the best out of you. I got to I think 55 NHL games. That was always my dream to play play in the NHL. And I remember like yesterday the uh, the opening night in Boston Garden when when I got to play my first NHL game. It's a, it's a memory that I'll never ever forget. And uh, I'm grateful for every game that I got to play in the, in the best league in the world. But I also got to see a lot of uh, other different places in the world. Played in Sweden and Switzerland and Finland, and obviously. And um, yeah, so hockey's been part of my life since I started skating at the age of three. And and my dad was a hockey player. Both of my brothers were hockey players. And uh, it's always been a huge part of, of my life and, and our family life. And and. Uh, and it always will be because of the uh, the continuation of the career in hockey, and I still love playing it. That's that's probably the best way to describe the uh, the passion for hockey is that it's just uh, it's just a great game, and I still love playing it whenever I can. You were discovered playing in the World Juniors for Finland after not making a, a prior national team. Is that right? Yeah, I, I was kind of a. Well, Kuopio, my hometown, which is now known for a lot of NHL players, have come from there, like Sami Kapan and Kimo Timon and Oli Jokin and all those guys. But it was not really on the uh, hockey map when I grew up playing there. And we had some decent decent success on the junior level there. Um, and we had a pretty good age group. I'm born 66, since the 65s were a pretty good age group there as well. So it was kind of up-and-coming uh, town in hockey but wasn't established like it has been now for the past little while and and um, so I played on the second level for men as a 17 and 18 year old and then then I got accepted to University of Tampere which is the hockey mecca in Finland and um, and went on to play for for a team there Ilves for two years and, and then went to uh, Clarkson from there so I was uh, I was kind of a late bloomer I was never I always for my first dream in hockey was always to play on the national team in Finland I never never accomplished that I remember going to watch the under 18s and near my hometown and, and thinking wow 
you know, I could be on that team because I already played on the on the men's second level, which was a lot higher level than some of the guys that got selected to that team. And I was, that was a good source of mo motivation for me. And and then I, my first national team game was on the, in the uh, under 20, the year that I was playing in the Finnish Elite League um, for the first time in uh, 85, 86, and then ended up playing in the in the World Juniors in in Hamilton. Um, Canada, and that was a, that was a great experience as well. Playing in front of eighteen thousand people and in um, uh, in front of the crazy Canadian fans. Who approached you about coming to university in the states? Had you been to the states much? I had not been to states much at all before that. I don't know. Maybe I traveled through the states to go to Canada, but that was about <laughs> it. And, and so I'd been to Canada a couple times um, before. Um, there was a player by the name of Rob Barnes that played in my hometown. Um, and he knew the uh, the coach Caprator uh, Clarkson at the time, and I'd always talked about being interested in going over and playing college. Actually, wanted to go over as a, as a um, an exchange student in like high school years, but they could never guarantee you which hockey program you'd end up with, and and it wasn't the information wasn't kind of flowing the way it is now. You get on the internet and you get a virtual tour of of school and their hockey facilities and. And, and everything that in those days, it was basically uh, paper clippings and yearbooks that you got your information out <laughs> of. And, and I, uh, so um, one thing led to another and they recruited me and, and I ended up at, at Clarkson in 1987 and probably one of the best decisions of my life. Why was it such a good decision? Well, I, I got a little bit of a different education. I was, I was getting my um, degree from Finland, so I got to uh, transfer two years of studies from the university there to Clarkson and ended up graduating in two years to bachelor's degree um, and uh, obviously very different the university in in US than it is in Finland but also the college hockey and the relationships that I built um, in those two years um, not just on the ice but off the ice as well to give you one example Ray Shiro uh, ended up being my agent and, and hired me for my first job out, um, as a scout with the Ottawa Senators. So, you know, I probably have Ray to thank for a lot of the things that, that have happened ever since and, and, and that I'm sitting here right now. Well, I think Ray was similar to you in that he started as an agent. Yes. Tell us about your days as an agent and why didn't, it, why didn't you stay in it? Uh, me and Ray actually kind of worked together a little bit as, as agents. He was getting guys to, uh, to Finland and Europe, and I was helping him out and trying to put him on teams in, in Finland, get him in contact with the TM, GMs there or the right people running the organizations. There were parts of the agent job that didn't really appeal to me, the, uh, the selling part, trying to convince the parents that, that you'd be the right guy to... Uh, to represent their kid, it was one of them. Um, I'm not really built for that. It's not my, not one of my strongest <laughs> qualities in selling. The players that have tough time getting contracts, the line that I used on a couple of them is that the reason for you not getting the job is not because of me as <laughs> a bad agent. Is actually looking at you in the mirror. But uh, that's that's not a really popular statement <laughs> when you're trying to represent somebody. But a lot of the times it's the truth and, and uh, try to uh, be bluntly honest sometimes if needed. So being bluntly honest has worked for you in your role as an executive, so you're working your way up the ranks. And one of the most interesting things about you, and I, I think your story is pretty well known, in that 
you were an assistant GM and when you know someone else got the GM job, you a couple times walked away from an NHL front office without plan B, without another job at the ready. Does that qualify you as a risk taker, I guess? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it does. But it was also a little bit different time in my life. I didn't have kids or a big mortgage or any of that stuff. So that times can change a little bit on that. But I, I'm a big believer in, in cer- certain principles. And, and um, yeah, so if, if, the, uh, if I feel that, that, uh, that strongly about one of those principles, then, then I can be a risk taker, yeah. Does that go back in terms of principles to your Finnish upbringing and the, and, and the character? Yeah, I, I you know, got to probably give credit to my parents and the way they've always uh, had the principles in our household and and the way they've gone about raising me up with, with certain values. And so, yeah. So after it didn't work out for you with the Blues, John Davidson ends up getting the Columbus job. And I don't know if I want to say it's just because hockey's a small world, but you know, the moves that you made and the things that you did to get yourself more experience, and then John Davidson did hire you. So take us through how that played out. Yeah, I, um, I, we had a really good relationship uh, with, with JD in St. Louis, and, and um, you know, obviously they made a decision, and a good decision, by, by going with Doug Armstrong there. And, and Doug Armstrong had obviously a lot more um, experience at the time than, than I did. And... and uh, I realize in the position that I am now, I sometimes have to make hard decisions, and and they're they're they don't need to be anything personal. They're just decisions that you have to make with the job that you have, and 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 that's the decision they made. And 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 um, you know, I never burn any bridges. I I remain in contact with uh, with JD and and Doug, and and um, you know, I've had good relationship with both of them uh, ever since and and continue to do so so then uh, JD gets a job in Columbus and and I'm working uh, as a GM in Helsinki and the, one of the reasons why I went back was uh, I just missed being around the team and the competitive uh, uh, atmosphere and you know that that burning in your in your belly before a game and and when you're on the road scouting for the most of the year you don't you don't get that, and and that's what I miss the most. Actually, got a little bit of a little little taste of it, and being with the Finnish national team in World Cups of 2004, and and then in 2016 when I was already doing this job. But but that kind of reminded me how much I missed that because I started as a GM in the Finnish league in in 1995, and and uh, did that for four years, and and. Um, I love doing it. I, I, it's really something that I love doing, and 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 being around the team, building the team, and and doing everything in my role that I can to to win hockey games or help win hockey games, I should say. So, um, yeah, then then the opportunity uh, presented itself, and 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 JD uh, offered me the job, and it was probably one of the biggest thrills of my life when you took the job, became the first European-born general manager in the National Hockey League. Did it take too long for that to happen, in your opinion? I'm a big believer that that shouldn't really have anything. The nationality shouldn't have anything to do with it. It should be just about ability, not nationality. And and, and I try to follow that with anybody on our staff, anybody, uh, uh, whether it's a player or, or a staff member. So I, I'm not so sure that, that the... Um, 
the only reason why we haven't had another European GM is because of the nationality. It, it could it could just as well be, or probably is, that there's just hasn't been a, a person that people felt were qualified or was qualified for that job. And and uh, if it gives encouragement for the other guys, that I'm sure there are a lot of qualified people. But you have to go through a certain process to to get to the NHL. It's it's not going to happen very often where somebody gets hired from the European leagues, ha- haven't done a very good job there for ten years, but doesn't have any experience in the NHL that that you would get hired. So I think that same as with the with the head coaching job, I think you have to go through the process here, learn to know uh, know the league, the the culture here, and and everything about it, and then you'll have just as good of a chance to be a general manager, European general manager or European head coach as as anybody else. So let's talk about your head coach since you brought it up. What's it like? And I got a big smile there for anyone who's (laughs) listening. What's it like to work with John Tortorella? I actually like working with him a lot because um, I don't know if it's his Italian temper or what, but we we kind of uh, have a very straightforward conversation about everything and and anything and, and... we don't waste any time or for for a small talk, and we get right to the point. and And I appreciate that. And his is probably a lot more colorful than mine, but uh, I have a lot of respect for that the way he handles his business. And sometimes we have a little bit of dis- disagreement on, on whether that comment needed the color that he he adds to it. But um, <laughs> when we do argue, it doesn't ever get personal. It's always about matters that argue. It's not the people, and and you know I respect him as a person, and does does a lot of good things, not only uh, on the ice and and off the ice with the team, but in the community. And he has a big heart, and and uh, yeah, I've enjoyed working with him a lot. But I don't always agree with him, or or how he handles his business. We don't always have to agree, and he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't like some of the ways I I go about my business. But it's all always about the matter. Not it doesn't get personal. Do you sometimes have the final say? He has sometimes has the final say. Does it depend on the situation? If you're if you're agreeing to disagree? Yeah, I, I use the term. I let it, let him coach and make the coaching decisions. He says that he says that I, I try to uh, nudge him, and, and uh, yeah. But that's part of my job is to to ask questions and and. Um, give him my opinion and if it affects his decision so be it if it doesn't so be it and then there are certain decisions that I have to make that I listen to his opinion and but then I'll make my decision gathering all the information from different people that we we work with and and um, obviously listen to the head coach but sometimes I'll have to make a decision that that disagrees with him and if, if that's the best thing for the organization, that's what I'll do. I can see him right now. Yarmo. I mean, I can hear him, right? <laughs> what does he call you? Probably. No, he's, he's got the little Boston accent there. Yarmo, probably, but that's <laughs> otherwise pretty close. I do think over the years, more and more people have seen that he does have a big heart. Is he still as intense as when you first started working with him? Has he changed over the last couple of years? I think he has, and I th- I've said this often, that uh, one thing I appreciate about him is that he's been in the league for so long, and he's, he's such an experienced coach. He's won the uh, Jack Adams twice and won the Stanley Cup, but I think he still approaches every day uh, as he wants to learn and be a better coach, and I think he's changed a lot, and we talk about it a lot, how today's athletes are so different and, and how you have to 
change your ways and think about it differently. And Rick Nash puts it in, in a good way when I talk to him about uh, torts and, and they were together in New York and Rick Nash said that you always know where you're at with John Tortorella. There's no gray area. There's no wondering what does he think of me. He'll let you know what you do right, what you do wrong. And I think that that's a that's a real good quality with the uh, he's not political. He's he's going to let you know where you stand. And, and I think that players at the end of the day, they appreciate it. And I've heard a lot of guys talk about torts um, a lot more fondly in the past tense. They, they, they learn to appreciate how he was like after the fact, after, after he had coached him, because then they get into other situations and, and they, they realize that the coach is telling one thing in front and the other thing behind your back. And, and that's something that I, I know that the players do not appreciate. And, and uh, but with Torts, it's, it's always going to be pretty bluntly honest on what he thinks of you and he let you know. What is your daily relationship like with John? Do you talk in the morning? Do you text? Do you do you meet? What's it like? The the dynamic between you two? A little bit of everything. I, I you know we text, we we talk, we call, we call each other. I go to his office. The one thing I try to avoid is not talk or talking to him after the game. So that's that's never been uh, a good time usually, especially if we lose the game. I just kind of listen and 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 let everybody have their thoughts and and let everybody vent if needed but i don't i don't do a lot of talking after the games especially if we lose and try to leave the coaches alone because because you know they're in the they're in the middle of it and they're in the heart of it so you know they probably take the losses the the hardest and and that's when the tempers can flow over a little bit and so nothing good comes out of that conversation let's talk about your team now and again, pretty well-known story about how everything developed, where you took a risk. Well, I shouldn't say. I'll ask you, do you, you know, was it a risk to keep some of the players you had that were unrestricted, play it, play it out, you know, have a great run in the playoffs, and then have them not resign? How, how do you see it all now that it's sort of in the rearview mirror? Yeah, there's a risk at everything, and I think the biggest risk is not, not doing anything. And, and um but we felt that we had a good team. We were in the playoff race all year. We knew big pieces were going to leave. And, and I've said this a few times this year that I, I truly think that Artemi Panarin is one of the best players in the league. And having that kind of a player in your lineup, maybe for the last time, was a unique opportunity for us. And, and then with the support of, of everybody in the organization, we said, okay, well, let's let's do everything we can this year to to try to strengthen our team and we added a few guys and we gave up some some of the future pieces and, and draft picks but um, yeah it, it was a risk we all uh, agreed on we all accepted and um, you can debate whether the the price for it was was enough by by winning one round of playoffs most people probably say no but I think for our city um, and our franchise and our fans, it was it was a big thrill, that meant a lot to our organization and and um, and our players. Uh, you know, got to got some valuable lessons through it, and uh, it, it was uh, something we wished that would have lasted longer. But but while it lasted, it was a blast and 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 a lot of fun for for a lot of the different people and and. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, we evaluate our decision making and, and the process and how we get go about it and how we end up in different decisions. But uh, 
I don't think there are any regrets. Um, we'd do it over again in in a second if we could, and and um, yeah, yeah, there's there's a price to pay for that with the, with some of the futures that we gave up, but we accepted that and we move on. So the the song goes Elvis has left the building but instead Sergey left the building and you have Elvis in did you know the young goaltending you had was that part of the evaluation of taking that risk and how he's played absolutely and uh, Corpus was uh, was uh, selected into the uh, all-star game just before he got hurt in New Year's Eve um, you know both of those goalies have, have had excellent seasons for us and and uh we didn't go out and try to sign a free agent when Bobrovsky left. I think that's that's a proof that we believed in these two young goalies, that their talent, they just hadn't gotten the opportunity to play regularly. Uh, obviously, Elvis came from Europe, but he's, he's not a uh, a kid that came from Europe. He's a 25-year-old goalie who was, who was really good in the Swiss League and in the international uh, level in the World Championships for Latvia. Jonas Korpisalo had, had waited patiently for his opportunity behind Bobrovsky and there were a few stints here and there where Bobrovsky was hurt and, and Jonas got to play more and he played very well in those those uh, stints when he had to play 20 games in a row because of the uh, the injury of, of Bobrovsky and so he proved to us on, on a small sample size maybe but but he had proved to us that he can play and play well uh, given the opportunity in, in the NHL and and they both uh, have done that this year and, and uh, been a big part of our success. Okay, a couple more things. Who's the most talented player you have right now? I, I, try, I try not to uh, publicly put our players into order like that. We have, I think we have a lot of, uh, lot of talented players in our club. You know, Zach Wierenski just scored his 20th, 20th goal uh, last night and at least the defenseman in the NHL, but, you know, I think everybody on our team misses his partner, number three, Seth Jones, who I think is one of the all, uh, one of the best all-around defensemen in the league. And you know he may not get as many points as some of the Norris Trophy winners get, but he should, in my opinion, be in that conversation every year because of what he does um, everywhere on the ice by defending, uh, covering so much ice with with six foot four body and great mobility, but then also gets 40-50 points every year um, as a defenseman I, I think he's definitely one of the best defensemen in the league and um, you know you mentioned the goaltenders we have some very talented forwards as well and but like I said I don't really want to get into the uh, into ranking our players in order publicly but yeah we we believed in our team from the uh, beginning of the season and we had a lot of doubters but I think that uh, we've shown everybody this year that uh we're a team that can battle for playoff spot. That was our goal, to make the playoffs. It still is, and we're right there. We call it the executive summary. Quick hits. Beer or wine? That's a tough one. <laughs> is that the hardest question you've had today? <laughs> I'd say if I'd have to choose, it'd be red wine, yeah. But uh, cold beer after a tennis match is also pretty good. What do you like to do if you're not working? If you're not in the office, if you're not at a game, what, what, do, you, what, what do we find you doing? Physical activity, that's my favorite. I, I, it, it, uh, it's my release for sure where I, I can go play tennis today and, and uh, sweat it out or play pickleball, which I'm very passionate about nowadays. We have a great group of guys in, in Columbus that play pickleball every morning basically and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great challenge. It's a great game. I've, 
I never would have thought that I like pickleball as much as I do, but it's, it's a great game. Do they treat you like one of the guys, or do they want to know what happened in last night's game, if you won or lost? or? Uh, yeah, every now and then there's there's a few comments about hockey here and there. I don't it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, those are great great guys and they're all all supportive and and they're all my friends now. What's the one thing you've never done that you want to do? Ooh, I don't really have a single thing that I haven't done that I that, that I would be always thinking that that's something that I got to do. I enjoy traveling. There are a lot of lot of parts in the world that I haven't traveled to that I'd like to. Um, I enjoy music, uh, so there are certain artists that I haven't seen yet live. Who do you like? I'd love to. Well, I like Elton John. I have seen him live a few times, and, uh, and a lot of different different good groups that I uh, that I like. Billy Joel and Elton John in concert was a great one. Yeah, so I don't know if there's one thing that I'd be. I gotta think about that one. How about lift the Stanley Cup? Oh yeah, well that would be that that. I was thinking more outside of hockey than, than in hockey. <laughs> so was I, but <laughs> for the question, but yeah, that's definitely the one that that uh, would be the dream. Who is the next Jew? I know you talked about it doesn't necessarily need to, you know, be because someone is European or you know to be qualified for the job. Is there a next you that you see on the horizon or that you've mentored or that that you see that's out there that could be the next you? Yeah, I don't know if I know the. I could probably mention a few that I think that are very qualified as as far as how how um, good hockey people they are, how passionate they are about the game, how hard they work. Um, it also depends on what they want for their career path and how 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 much they want to get to a certain point or or what their goal is. But um, I'm I'm 100% certain that if if some of these very qualified hockey people from Europe want to put their mine into it and get through the process of, of learning the North American and, and the NHL business. There'll be a, another European GM soon. Thank you so much for doing this. It was great. My pleasure. Thank you. The Finnish native, a man of conviction. He has no regrets. He is not afraid to do what he thinks is right. I guess as long as he can take out his frustrations on a tennis ball from time to time. But it was great chatting with him. Thank you for listening to the NHL Executive Suite. We love the feedback. It does go a long way. Do not hesitate to rate and review, and you can always subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, I'm Deb Placey in the NHL Executive Suite.